This episode of the Insurance Coffee House is sponsored by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies and brokers in the UK and across the United States. Visit insurance-search.com for more details. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House Global Insure Tech Series. My name is Nick Hoadley, and each week I'm going to be interviewing a leading insure tech executive to find out more about the technology opportunities that are there for the insurance industry, whether that's for brokers, carriers, or direct to policyholders. And I'll also be looking at and exploring the different career opportunities available for people from within the insurance industry. So please join me each week as we learn more and we discover what advice they have for insurance leaders looking to make that move into an insure tech or a startup business. Today, I'm joined by Nick Hassam, who is the co-founder and chief commercial officer at Reask, based down in Australia. Welcome to the show, Nick. G'day, Nick. Thank you very much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to have you joining us on the show today, Nick, and appreciate you joining us from the other side of the globe down there in in Australia today. Nick, if we can start off, would you mind sharing with our listeners a little bit more about your career and and those steps and the path that's led to you setting up and co-founding Reask? Absolutely. So I guess uh, my technical background is in a field called geospatial technology uh, or location analytics, which I started out uh, a very long time ago in my undergraduate course and then went on to have a few roles in the sort of consulting space, advising organisations on bringing geospatial technology into their organisations. Uh, I then got an opportunity to work uh, for a reinsurance intermediary uh, in the City of London, again, bringing in geospatial technology, in particular in the field of catastrophe risk analytics. And that uh, sort of entry into the insurance industry, I guess, was the start of you know what has been the mainstay of my career for the past. 18 or so years working for different insurance organisations around the world, both in the City of London and uh, here in Australia as well, and working in markets all around the world. And then, uh, you know, uh, I guess as time has gone by, you know, I've seen things in particular in the sort of catastrophe risk management space that have been challenges that have been experienced by the industry uh, and by those who work in that space in the industry. And that really is what led myself uh, and indeed my co-founders to starting Reask. Our goal really is to solve some of the challenges uh, surrounding the building and development of uh, catastrophe risk models and developing views of catastrophe risk using modern technology and information. So that's, I guess, how we came to be at the stage that we're at now with Reask. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Nick. I think it's great to get an insight and understanding really of, of your background as we go through the questions today. Before we start off with those questions, though, I know it's the morning here at the UK at the moment and, and the evening over there in, in Oz right now. But what, what is your go-to coffee of choice in the morning? In the morning, I really can't get going without uh, without a flat white. You know, it's fairly standard coffee of choice here in, in Australia and, and particularly in the city of Adelaide where I'm based. I do mix it up a little bit. I, I, I have soy milk instead of, uh, instead of cow's milk, but yeah, very much so uh, a flat white, strong flat white in the morning, at least two to get me going. So yeah, that's my, that's my drink of choice in the morning. Get you through those late evening calls as well with the UK and 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Every now and then you need a need something late at night as well to keep going. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, Nick. So, Nick, would you mind sharing with us a little bit more about the business, what the technology does, and and where the business is at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. So our goal is to use modern technologies and and sort of new sources of information to build what we call views of risk. Generally, that takes the form of risk models that we develop. And the approach that we take, which is quite different to existing approaches in the market, is to take global climate data, which is available in at a much higher frequency nowadays and much higher resolution. And we take that information and then we use uh, modern sort of data science technologies and particular in the field of AI, we use a lot of machine learning to process that information and extract from it insights and, and, and views that help us to predict uh, you know, the, the, the likelihood, the frequency and the severity of extreme weather. Uh, initially, we have a focus on tropical cyclone and we are in the process of extending that out across other, other atmospheric phenomena, different perils like drought and wildfire and hail and European windstorm as time goes by. So our goal really is to sort of bring, bring a new approach to how it is that organisations can view risk using information that that before now has been uh, you know less prevalent in in the sort of the risk modelling space um, and really the the key thing that has led us to be able to sort of bring these these new new approaches to, to risk modelling is the field of uh, of machine learning in particular and and associated with that the sort of the the commoditization of high performance computing so we use some very clever smarts in the AI the components of AI that we use. Uh, and we use some very, very powerful computers to, to run that and process the information. And that really has sort of opened up a whole new world of, uh, of insights and information, uh, in particular in the, the climate space, which is obviously you know, a very interesting space at this point in time, a lot of focus in particular around future climate. Uh, and we certainly do a lot of stuff in the current climate space, as well as prediction and forecasting into the future as well. Um, So we've been doing that for uh, sort of building development, research and development for the last three years since we incorporated uh, back in 2018. Uh, But we now have a suite of products that we're pushing out into the uh, insurance markets and uh, and providing solutions primarily to the uh, insurance and reinsurance uh, industry. And we sort of span, I guess, across a range of different organisations in that space from, you know, primary insurers to reinsurers, intermediaries, but also securitised and uh, sort of the new wave of, of parametric entities as well. And what markets are you chiefly working in? Is there a lot of North America coverage? Are you working elsewhere in the world? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that's unique about our approach is that from the beginning, uh, we build views of risk that are global, inherently global. You know, our view is that, uh, you know, the atmosphere is a global uh, a global system. Uh, what happens in one part of the system can impact another part of the system. And the only way that we believe you can truly encompass and understand the risk is to view it uh, globally. So our view of risk is global. And subsequently, that means that, uh, that you know, the organisations that are interested in our solutions tend to be large multinational global insurance companies. So as and as such, we, you know, we operate in those uh, traditional insurance markets, the London and Lloyd's markets, 
the broad European markets on the reinsurance side and also the North American markets. But also, I guess increasingly as well in this part of the world, uh, what we sort of see is Asia Pacific, um, places like Hong Kong and Singapore to, an, to, a, to a degree here in Australia as well. But really looking to have that, uh, you know, that global scope uh, and subsequently, you know, our, our clients tend to have a global scope in their, their insurance risk as well. Brilliant. Thank you, Nick. In terms of the product itself, how have you gone about developing that over the last three years and where is the product now? So I guess when we initially started out, you know, we had, we've got a lot of internal capability and strength in uh, the building of, of risk models. Um, all of our backgrounds, all of the founders' backgrounds are in uh, risk model developments, um, uh, you know, climate and weather simulation and the sort of broader uh, risk modeling space uh, and all focused in the insurance industry. So we have a good understanding of what it is that organizations and the individuals within those organizations are looking for in the types of products that we're developing. So from the word go, we've had a good understanding of what we're aiming for in terms of uh, our options. And you're right in that the sort of the, uh, research and development, we had very, what we what we would call sort of, uh, you know, lower order um, products that were much more raw in their formats. And we had some clients back then, some initial foundation clients, some large organizations that sort of backed us to, to sort of help us through that development process. And they were quite comfortable taking very raw versions and early sort of outcomes and uh, and, and deliverables from, from our early uh, research and development. And over time, we sort of crafted those raw outputs into more standardised products that we deliver um, through to organisations. So primarily, we're what we call an information as a service company. So we provide data information primarily in the form of, of data, although in addition, we do provide insight as well, um, some sort of sort of bespoke um, reporting mechanisms. But primarily what we supply to organisations is data. Um, and we provide that in a number of different ways. We provide it direct through different sort of supply channels, whether it be through APIs or, you know, uh, direct data transfer. But we also provide through third-party uh, organisations. So we have uh, a few different third-party suppliers um, who are effectively, you know, SaaS, SaaS companies who take our information and implement it within their platforms. And then they provide that through to their clients uh, as a, as a third-party uh, supplier. So a few different ways and quite an evolution from what we were providing back uh, back three years ago, which was, you know, a much more simplistic form. I can certainly imagine that. And um, what would you say are the key benefits, particularly for the carriers, for the primary insurers and the reinsurers? What are the key benefits for them? Yeah, look, I think uh, look, our view and, and indeed the client, our existing client's view is that this provides them with a, a new and alternate view of, of understanding risk. Um, when we look at tropical cyclone risk, uh, there are other views out there in the market. Some of them have been well established. And we believe that you know the way in which those views have been developed uh, is becoming outdated. It has uh, a number of limitations, not the least of which, as I was mentioning before, generally the, the historic approach to building these models was on a, on a region by region basis basis. And that is still the case for pretty much everyone else in the market. Whereas we take a global approach, those organizations tend to supply their view of risk over a sort of a, an extended period of time. So they spend many years building their models, whereas we can refresh uh, using the power of machine learning, some very big computers, we can refresh our view of risk very at a very, very high frequency. 
methodology so we can apply uh, apply our methodologies much quicker and provide improved information to organizations in a much uh, at a much higher uh, frequency so that sort of fresh view of, of of information is something that our clients see as very very useful in particular in the climate space because as you know most organizations who have an understanding of the climate uh, know uh, that you know the climate is an evolving and, and very variable uh, system. So, you know, having a single view that remains unchanged over two or three years or, or even longer in some locations, you're starting to fall behind the ball in a number of spaces, not the least of which being the science, which has moved on, uh, the, the available data, which has increased, and also the climate itself, which is, you know, continuing to evolve. Awesome. Thank you, Nick. I'd like to get your opinion on the insurance market and, and catastrophic risk modelling, where you see the future of that going over, over the next few years yeah look I think uh, we feel that more or less we're riding a wave of, of innovation in this particular part of the insurance market obviously the insurance market itself is you know I guess in the midst of this broad perhaps perhaps change is too strong a word but certainly there's a broad awareness that having innovation in the insurance industry is something that is is gathering pace and is uh, of interest to a number of different organizations and there are certainly a lot of companies like ours that are trying to offer new and novel ways of, of understanding the business itself. And in the specific area that we deal with uh, in catastrophic risk, you know, we see that there are going to be new and interesting ways of providing information to insurance organisations to try and give them a better understanding of risk, which helps them to then underwrite uh, more profitable business. And, you know, it, it certainly is the case that underwriters and, and, and risk carriers are always looking for, you know, things that can help to give them a better understanding of what it is that they're actually underwriting, how it is that they should price, how it is that they should select individual risks, how it is that they should structure and optimise their portfolios. And I think we're part of a group of organisations that are really starting to bring to bear the new and modern uh, technology and and information that is available to, uh, to the underwriting process uh, and to give those underwriters, you know, an extra understanding of how it is that they should view and assess and price risk. Do you think with all the technology that we have at our disposal at the moment and it's going to develop over the next few years, do you think that insurers should be underwriting and performance books of business should be a lot more profitable? That we should be seeing lower claims ratios moving forward because of that data that we have now? Yeah, well, I mean, look, you know, obviously that's the goal of the sort of the, the optimization process and the risk management and, and pricing process is to try and reduce that, uh, that that claims ratio. Look, I think there's a number of challenges that exist in that space, um, you know, things like an evolving climate um, and the sort of the, the uncertainty around the impact that that will have on uh, on claims ratios is, is, is still to be determined. You know, we work a lot in the climate space and we know that there is still great uncertainty about what the impact is actually going to be in the future. Certainly, you know, we know that there are certain aspects of the climate that are going to make things much worse. And, and subsequently for the insurance industry, that would mean higher claims. But how that how that works in a marketplace obviously is very different because in insurance we have the ability to to, to price and 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 to select risk uh, and subsequently you know it may well just be that there are sort of incremental changes in price that actually capture that capture that change that sort of long term change in in risk. But I think the biggest challenge for the market in the catastrophe risk space is is the uncertainty around the future because you know it's it, when you're working you know in in the space that we 
sort of call, you know, in the, in the tail end of risk at the very sort of low frequency, high severity events. When you have great uncertainty around those, it only takes one, one event that has been you know, underestimated or not appropriately modeled or, or understood by the risk carriers. Yeah. And that can be a, an extinction level event. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a good example of that at the moment in Canada, as we speak, I think they're seeing wildfires and soaring temperatures up to sort of 45 degrees or so. Is that the type of thing that we can expect more of than if that's what you're seeing with your data and with your modelling? Yeah, look, absolutely. I think one thing that is that, that there is a lot of certainty around in terms of future climate is, is this concept of the way in which particular perils may potentially responds to to future climates and things like drought lack of rainfall heat waves and the like uh, it, it, you know it's clear that there's going to be you know a greater number of those in locations which previously um, have not sort of experienced that you said you mentioned sort of 45 degrees we get that a few times a year here in Adelaide so for us that's something that we have an expectation of but one would imagine that the challenge in somewhere like Vancouver at the moment is that they just aren't prepared for that uh, that particular really? outcome and I think that that really expresses that uncertainty that we're going to see. And we know wildfire has a very, very significant relationship with those particular climate dynamics. And I think, you know, a lot, uh, a lot was sort of made of the recent Californian wildfires and, and certainly events that are going on around the world, even here in Australia, that have been quite profound. Wildfire is one that there is going to be some significant challenges with. But again, it's really around this uncertainty. You know, what, what is it that we're, what is it that's fluctuating? within the natural variability of climate and what is being driven by, uh, you know, a changing and an evolving underlying climate. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, earlier this year, we also saw the other side of the scale in Texas, where they had heavy snow. You know, parts of the state were completely void of electricity and water supply. And yeah, just chaotic scenes, just because obviously they're, they're not used to dealing with, with snow down there. But it's very interesting. And I imagine insurers are, are crying out to be able to predict and to be able to see what trends are, are going to be there moving forward so that they can act appropriately. Thanks, Nick. It's a very interesting and useful insight there in, in, into how things might pan out over the next few years. Leads us nicely on to our espresso round now as the questions are short, sharp and straight to the point. So are you ready for an espresso? Oh, I'm ready for an espresso. This time of night, it's the only one you can have. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. The espresso round. So Nick, we've talked about a couple of the co-founders that you started your the business with. What percentage of you guys are from a insurance background compared to a, a non-insurance background? Yeah, look, I think, you know, by and large, we're all from an insurance background, uh, certainly within the insurance industry. But I would make a differentiation between being in, in the sort of the technical side of the insurance industry. So, you know, a couple of our co-founders have backgrounds for commercial catastrophe modelling companies. And my own background, I've worked at intermediaries and risk carriers and, and, and underwriters, the insurance and reinsurance level, and always generally in a, a technical capacity. So, you know, we've been involved in the insurance industry, but very much in, in, in on the technical side and moving forward obviously you've got big big plans now over the next couple of years you know launching those products out to the market what value do you think a high performing insurance career potentially not from the technical side but actually being at the carrier and understanding what they're looking for from their perspective what do you think that could add to a business like yours 
oh, look, that type of experience uh, is is invaluable in organisations like ours. Uh, and, you know, we're sort of in the process of, uh, you know, establishing what needs we, we have in that particular space. And it's very clear that, you know, having people who have uh, an enthusiasm and an understanding of the insurance industry itself really is going to help us to better understand how we can you know facilitate uh, the movement of our products you know into that into that industry because there's a lot around you know sort of integration and and implementation of our solutions in the market and the only way that that can really happen is when you know there's an understanding between the organizations who are building it and you know our organization trying to you know trying to explain and and, uh, and and sell it to those organizations so you know from our perspective you know we we have a good understanding of the insurance industry and there's always uh, room for improvements uh, from experts who have a lot of experience in that space absolutely absolutely and what personalities do you think suit working for a business like yours well I'm coming to you today from Adelaide I have a couple of colleagues who are based in Sydney and I have two colleagues who are based in the UK. So I think, uh, you know, people who are very much independent, who have the ability to, you know, to be self-sustaining, but also to work, work as part of a, a geographically disparate team is is sort of, I guess, attributes that are something that, that would be very valuable for an organisation like ours. Interestingly enough, you know, a lot of people have been working like this for the past sort of, you know, 12, 18 months. So it's probably quite reflective of, you know, the, the skills and attributes that, that most employees employees uh, really need in this day and age but I think from our perspective in particular you know we need people who you know have the ability to come together when we need to collaborate on things and you know the I guess the drive to, to work independently uh, on their own. Yeah absolutely I, I think there's been a real shift and I think when it does come to you growing out further into those different geographic regions there's going to be a lot more talent who are used to being self-sufficient even if they do work for a large corporate business and they've got all the great experience and the insights that that could bring but they're also now used to working quite flexibly adapting to early calls late calls fitting things in around their day as well by being at home or in a in a small sort of serviced office so i think that the candidate pool is certainly much more in tune with working like that than say they would have been if you were looking to recruit 18 months ago Absolutely. And look, it's, it's, that's good news for us. I think it certainly is. What do you see as the opportunities for talent at your business? I think you really have touched on it there is what we really will be looking for in the coming sort of six to 12 months. Individuals who have an interest and understanding and, uh, you know, an endeavour to connect us with the insurance industry. You know, given our technical backgrounds, we have a great passion for explaining the science and the technology that we bring to the market. Uh, what we really want to sort of push uh, out there is, uh, you know, to try and get employees who have the ability to translate that very sort of scientific technical approach into, you know, pragmatic business solutions. And we have some very sort of clear-cut um, ways of doing that and there's always uh, you know a need for people who you know understand the insurance industry understand people from my perspective and I've been in the industry for 18 years insurance is a is a people business it's a relationship business um, so we need people from the insurance industry who can build relationships for us this might be a challenging question to answer at the moment but have you seen during your career within the insurance industry have you seen any sort of major skill sets or experience that you see lacking that perhaps would not be ideal for joining a technology-based business like yours? Um, look, I think I think that 
you know, having been in the, on the technical side of the business and insurance, there is always this sort of, there always has been this sort of divide between, you know, the business, the, you know, the underwriters, the brokers, and, and the sort of the technical people, you know, on the yeah. sort of the IT side or the systems or, or risk modeling or actuaries. I think those people who end up being very, very successful in the industry, those that I've seen, um, and then perhaps explains, you know, you know, my sort of my career to date uh, really are those people who have the ability to span both of those worlds and to be able to link up between, you know, what can be done from a technical perspective and how that really impacts and affects and can drive, uh, you know, the business side of, uh, of insurance. And look, it's it's always a it's always a difficult thing to to, to step across the chasm, um, you know, as a as, as a broker or an underwriter to become more involved and understanding about the science that goes into to risk modelling, or for you know for someone who's um, you know a, a developer on the on the on the risks uh, on the technical side mm-hmm. to sort of step across and, and see what happens in in the day to day life of a of a broker or an underwriter. But I think there's always benefits to come out of those things. Absolutely. And on that note, if there are insurance leaders or insurance professionals out there now who are looking at technology companies, who are looking at insure tech businesses now as their next career opportunity, what preparation would you advise them to be doing now to ensure that that is a successful switch when they do come to making that switch? Look, I think, you know, having a, they're already going to bring quite a lot because of their understanding of, of, the, of the industry itself. And I think, you know, the potential for having, trying to develop a passion for what it is that the technology is likely to bring, bring to the industry is going to be very valuable. What I would say, even with those things, the, the biggest challenge for, for people coming from the insurance industry into technology companies is almost always going to be more around organizational change. So by and large, those people are going to be coming from, you know, large, well-organized, well-established companies and, you know, coming into in particular technology companies and in particular, you know, young technology companies or, or, or so-called startups where small necessarily particularly well organized organizations uh, we, we tend to do things which we change direction very quickly um, which I think some some people call sort of being agile but I think that's really just a uh, you know a bit of a, a description of, of uh, changing uh, changing tact on, on, on particular approach to something but I think the organizational change is probably going to be the biggest uh, the biggest hurdle but I, I wouldn't want that to discourage people from coming from the insurance side into the technology side because it's clear Clear, and wherever you see examples of it, um, it becomes clear very quickly that that sort of experience and knowledge and uh, you know insight that can come from the industry is always going to give advantages to to technology companies. Absolutely, Nick. Thank you so much. That's such a great answer, and we have almost reached the end of our time today, which is a shame actually, as we could keep talking about this stuff all day. But Nick, do you have one piece of closing advice for our listeners? And if anyone would like to reach out to you after the show, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, look, I, I think you know my my piece of advice would be you know find some kind of technology or solution that you can you think you can, you think can you can become passionate about and and get interested in it and understand it because irrespective of whether you're looking to move into the sort of tech startup side of things or remain on the insurance side being a cheerleader being a proponent of of the technology 
will almost certainly, you know, sit you in good stead for your future career, I think. So yeah, take an interest in the technology that's out there. And look, it won't always be successful. There's lots of failures in the startup world. But I think, you know, it's more about the idea of embracing technology uh, in the industry. That's really what we want to see. People can get hold of me either on LinkedIn, via our website, uh, reask.earth, or we're on Twitter as well. Uh, feel free to get in contact. Always love connecting with people in the industry. And, and yeah, I guess spreading the word about Reask and what we're trying to bring to the market. Awesome, Nick. We'll be sure to post those contact details as ever on the show notes so our listeners can can click straight through to you. Nick, thank you so much for your time today. I've really enjoyed hearing more about Reask and the incredible sort of global work you're doing there. Thank you so much for your time today, Nick. Really enjoyed having you on the show. Fantastic, Nick. Thank you very much for having us. It's been a real pleasure. I'm sure, as I say, I'm sure our listeners would have gained a lot of valuable insights and some great advice, actually, particularly if they're looking to move from the insurance industry into the technology space. To all our listeners out there, wherever you're listening around the world, we thank you for listening today. And I'm sure you would have gained some excellent knowledge and insight from Nick. If you do enjoy the show, please remember to download and subscribe so you receive each one of our episodes into your app each week. Till next time, I've been Nick Hoadley. This has been the Insurance Coffee House Global InsureTech Series. Take care. You've been listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.